reading from NAV. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about his sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning, then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Thank you. That's great. Let's pray together. Here we are, Lord, in your house again, positioned to hear from your word. Holy Spirit, be speaking to us now as we consider this challenge of hearing from you and nurturing others around us. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Well, we're in part two, as I've said, of this series that we've called Foundations of Faith, considering together from a biblical perspective how it's a whole church responsibility to raise children and young people in the faith. And last week, Luke opened up this series by focusing our attention on a proverb that says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And we spoke about this idea of planting seeds of faith in the life of our children, and how each of us here, whether parent or grandparent, or simply a part of the family of God in this place, has a role to play in planting seeds of faith. And Luke introduced us to his spiritual parents, if you like, his youth leader, who introduced him to faith. And we prayed for our parents in the life of the church. But today we take that theme a step further. What does it mean to nurture young disciples? And I'm taking us to 1 Samuel chapter 3, like Bronya's just read for us, to see the role that Eli plays in the life of Samuel as he learns to hear from God. And I love this passage of scripture because we have so much to learn ourselves about how we hear from God. But I love narrative passages of scripture, stories where we are introduced to characters and people's lives because we can relate, interact, and consider their part in God's story before we ask ourselves what is our part to play. And whenever we're introduced to narrative stories in scripture, we need to be resourced. We need to use the right tools to read them effectively. And this morning, we're going to use two tools together as we study, study this passage of scripture. The first tool is we're going to look at the characters involved. Who are they? What are their role? What's their role in the story? And what does the narrator tell us about them? And then we're going to think about the repetition in the passage. What is being emphasized? How is the story structured? And what is the significance of this? And as we study the characters, the repetition, and the structure of our story today, I want us to frame this with the question, what role does Eli play in nurturing the faith of Samuel? But first, how do we get to this part in God's story? If we recap, the people of God, Israel, have been rescued from slavery out of Egypt and have made a covenant with God at Mount Sinai. Eventually, the next generation make it to the promised land, and they are supposed to live faithfully with their God. But the book of Samuel comes after the book of Judges, and if you were here in the summer when we studied the book of Ruth together, in the days when the judges ruled, we'll, we will, we'll remember together the anarchy, the moral chaos that filled the land. And it's at this point the book of Samuel is opened and we're introduced to the touching story of a lady called Hannah. Hannah is beside herself in grief because she can't have children. And she is tormented by her husband's second wife, Penina. And we're introduced to this priest, this character, Eli, who thinks that Hannah is drunk when she is in prayer before the Lord. Hannah miraculously conceives and gives birth to a a son named Samuel, which means the Lord heard my prayer. 
She is faithful to her promise to dedicate her son back to the Lord and leaves Samuel in Eli's care. Samuel grew, we're told, at the end of chapter 1, verse 26, in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. And this is really significant because the same description is said of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verses 52, that Jesus grew in stature and in favor with the people and with God. So Samuel is a significant young boy. And this is where our passage starts today. And in verse 1, we learn a lot. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, we're told, and there were not many visions. So in one verse, we're introduced to the three characters, and we learn quite a lot about them. Samuel is a young boy. Eli is his mentor. He shows him the life of service, ministering under the Lord. And we see the Lord. The word of the Lord begins hidden. The word of the Lord was rare. The Lord, as a character, if you like, starts off having a minimal presence. And then we learn about Eli. The description is that his eyes are becoming weak. He could barely see. And in that time and in that scene, there were not very many visions from God. Some think that this might signify his age. Was he growing physically weaker? But many others emphasize the spiritual nature of what is going on here. Eli can't see many visions from God. Is his leadership weakening? But Eli observes this and says to Samuel, do not hide anything from me. He wants to be able to see. He is laying down by the ark of the Lord in his usual place. Is he laying down his leadership, I wonder? Samuel, on the other hand, is positioned, ready in the house of God. When the Lord calls him, Samuel is responsive and open, but he thinks it's Eli who is calling him. Here I am, he says, and he runs to Eli. Here I am, you called me. But Eli, with patience we presume to begin with, says to him, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. And this whole scene is repeated again. The Lord continues to call Samuel, and Samuel goes to Eli, and Eli tenderly calls him, my son, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Who is calling Samuel then, we wonder? And at this point of pondering, the narrator tells us in verse 7, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Samuel doesn't know the Lord. He needs someone to introduce him to him. But this verse baffles me. Samuel is ministering under the Lord, yet does not know him. But Eli realizes what's going on. The Lord is calling the boy. So Samuel instructs him, go and lie down. And if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The Lord is calling him personally, Samuel, Samuel. Do you remember in our encounter series, when we were looking at the life of Moses, Luke taught us how the Lord calls a name twice 
is a sign of intimacy. Samuel, Samuel, the Lord calls him. And Samuel responds willingly and obeys just how Eli has instructed. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And finally, in verse 10, the Lord comes personally to this young boy. The word of the Lord is no longer rare, no longer hidden, and the Lord comes and takes center stage. He comes and he stands there, calling as he did every time. But now we know his identity. And the Lord begins to confirm and share with Samuel the fortune of Eli and his sons. I told him I would judge his family forever, we read, for the sin he knew about, his sons blasphemed against God, yet Eli failed to restrain them. There's a vivid contrast going on here between Samuel and Eli's actual sons. They are selfish, but Samuel is willing. Eli's sons defrauded people. They were taking part of the sacrifices before the Lord, before they were offered to him on an altar. The narrator describes them as wicked people who have no regard for the Lord. Yet the narrator has already told us that Samuel grew in stature and in favor before the Lord and before others. Samuel, a young boy, who Eli called a son, was given a message from God to tell Eli his fate for his poor parenting. He did not handle or discipline his rebellious children, which questioned his integrity as a high priest. So Samuel would supersede him as prophet. Through this whole narrative, we see a period of transition. To begin with, God's word is rare, it's hidden, it's closed, and it's deprived. But by the end of the passage, it was opened up through Samuel. We see Eli hand over his leadership to this young boy as he accepts the stern word from the Lord. He lays down his responsibilities and we see Samuel transition into a major figure in the life of Israel. We see Eli help Samuel understand whom it is who is calling him. A word that is repeated 11 times in six verses, calling. And we see the Lord take a prominent place amongst his people again. With his presence coming to Samuel, the Lord is repeated 19 times in our passage. What do we see? It is the Lord who calls us. We see a transition going on here from the word previously falling on deaf ears, if you like, through Eli's sons, unwilling to respond. But then we see Samuel, his willingness and his obedience by responding to Eli exactly how he was instructed to and says to the Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. The Lord was about to do something in Israel that would make the ears of everyone who hears tingle. The Lord uses Eli for all his wrongdoings to nurture Samuel, for Samuel to then go on to greater things than he will for God's story to continue, as Tom was sharing with us, for it to be repeated again, 
for God's story to be transitioned on. And I find this quite humbling. Have you considered that God might be calling you to nurture others around you for them to go on to do far greater things than you will for him? Young or old, this morning I'm asking, is God calling you to be involved in the training up of others? Because at times it's easier for us to just do things by ourselves. My family often say that if I wasn't in ministry, I'd be in recruitment because I have a gifting and an ability to encourage or nominate others to do things. And one of my favorite things to do is to suggest jobs that other people should be applying for. It's great, isn't it, when you can match up someone's skill set with what they'd be amazing at doing. And a while ago at college, we were encouraged to reflect back on our training so far and consider something that has brought us such great joy. And there's been many things, and I've loved my time at Hope, but really what stood out for me is moments where I can see others thriving and flourishing, doing what God is asking of them. Two great friends of mine, our lovely Gemma and another friend of ours called Sarah from Honiton, now both work for SWIM. And lots of you will remember Paul Friend, the director of SWIM, who came and spoke in July last year. When our lovely Gemma Ponsford stepped down from her role as area coordinator, Paul messaged me and said, did I know anyone in Plymouth who might be role might be right, rather, to take on this role as area coordinator. And as I was walking home from work one day, thinking and praying about this, I felt the Lord say, the role is for Gemma, encourage her. And I think it's fair to say, Gemma, it took some gentle encouragement for you to hear what the Lord might have been saying. But it's been a joy to see her thrive, not to embarrass her too much, in her role, seeing her use her giftings, and through her, for swim trainees all across the city to be raised up to then nurture children and young people in our churches in this place. It's amazing when God calls and encourages us to encourage others to step in to what he has for them because the story is continued and the kingdom is unlocked. I wonder this morning if God is nudging you to encourage someone Could you help them see the gifting that they have and how God might want to use them? Is God nudging you to train someone up or to transition into something new? Is he calling you to be trained in some way? Is he asking you to be involved in nurturing our children and young people here in this place? Because this morning I want our emphasis to be really practical. So as we land considering what God might be asking of you, how he's asking you to play your part in the nurturing of others, I want us to draw our attention to practically how Eli nurtures Samuel for a moment. Because I think we see him do three things. The first thing that Eli does to nurture and grow Samuel is he encourages him to serve. And there's something interesting at play here because Samuel is ministering under the Lord. He is Eli's helper or assistant, but he doesn't yet know the Lord personally. I want us to explore that for a moment. And some of us, over lockdown, with Mary and Richard Simpson's help, did a parenting for faith course. And one of the metaphors and illustrations they use to help parents 
share their faith with their children was this idea of framing. So if you can picture the frame on a picture or a window for a moment, this idea or principle suggests that when parents are encouraged to answer their children's questions of faith, the idea is that they are supposed to frame it spiritually. Because one of the dangers for children um, is that they learn about God, but don't understand how God is relevant to their everyday life. So when a child asks a question of faith, the encouragement to the parent is to respond with an answer that frames God's involvement. And I share this because I wonder if this is exactly what Eli is doing here in this moment. Samuel is serving under him, and you can picture Eli, perhaps, explaining all that is going on to him. The everyday tasks that they are doing together, opening the tabernacle doors every morning, cleaning the furniture, sweeping the floors. You can picture Eli explaining to Samuel what is going on and why they are doing it, how this is serving the Lord. Samuel is given access, he's included, even when his understanding or knowledge of God might not match Eli's. And if I take you back to the chapter before, in chapter 2, verse 18, we read about Samuel, and he's described to be a boy wearing a linen ephod. And what this was, was his mum, Hannah, came every year to offer an annual sacrifice before the Lord, and she would give Samuel a new garment to grow into. And this was the uniform of a priest, the kind of robe, if you like. Samuel was given responsibility and room to grow and the uniform to wear. So I wonder if our children, young people in this place might not have the understanding, knowledge, or experience of God yet, but what in what ways, as a church family, are we letting them serve, learn, and grow into their gifting? Are we giving them access to church life, to decision-making, to communion, to worship, to prayer, to baptism, so that they see how these matters of faith can be framed as part of everyday life? I think we have some room to grow into this, as a church family. Gabby Benjamin has a vision for us to include our young people into the life of service here at Hope. And we're going to hear an interview from her in the weeks to come in this series. as she explains about Serving Sunday, how once a month our young people are going to be involved in serving to be part of the church family here and be given room to grow into the giftings that they have. And as we hear from her in the weeks to come, I want this to be something that we all hold on to as a church and see the great benefit of. Samuel is allowed to serve under Eli and he is given room to grow. The second thing I think we see from Eli's encouragement of nurturing of Samuel is he doesn't disqualify or discredit him. Luke often says it's the same Holy Spirit who speaks to us as he does to children. Eli doesn't doubt for a moment that it's the Lord who's calling this young boy. And I wonder for us whether our expectations or faith needs to rise as to what God wants to do or could do through our children and young people. I often share my story, but at the age of 10, 
God gave me a picture of a jack-in-the-box to speak into the life of my family's circumstances, this promised healing that would come for my dad who was semi-paralyzed after a farming injury. We see it in scripture, I've seen it in my life. God wants to speak and reveal himself to children and young people to change the world around them. Do we discredit or disqualify what God might want to do amongst our youngest in age or the new to faith amongst us, I wonder? Finally, and I think most importantly, what Eli does is he helps the young boy hear God's voice. That's how he nurtures him. He introduces him to a God who wants to have a relationship with him. Samuel needed Eli to recognize that it is the Lord who was calling him. He needed the situation to be framed. God does speak. He does that. This is how you respond to him. Show him you're willing and simply say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When we're nurturing others around us, whether young in years or new to faith, we need them to help, we need to help them discern what God might be saying. Introducing them to the ways that God speaks through his words, dreams and visions, through our minds. I often say if I have a thought, I can recognize that it's far too good to be mine, that it's got to be God's. Through our body, through our skin, through our hearts, through our guts, through our ears, through our eyes. How does God speak? How are we sharing the ways that God is speaking to us, to others, so that they can learn and grow in this? Very practically, I wonder, when a friend comes to speak to you and they share pastorally what's going on in their life, how many of us stop and say, what is God saying in the midst of this? When we're praying for people, are we open to hear what God might be saying to them through us? Nurturing others in the faith means introducing them to the God who wants to be in relationship with them. Planting seeds of faith on its own isn't enough. Where possible, we need to help them take root, to grow, and then to be put into practice. And ultimately, we need to trust in the God who reveals himself to people, who comes close, who stands and calls. My prayer is for our children and young people in this place that they would have the same response as Samuel, that we would model to them our response, that is, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I'm going to invite the band to come and help us respond. And if you're able to, I just want to invite you to stand where you are. You might want to have a stretch for a minute. But as we stand and pray together now, I want us to think practically about who it is that God is asking you to nurture. Maybe you're a parent in this place and you can picture your child. Maybe you're a life group leader and you can picture your life group. Maybe you're in leadership and you can picture someone God is placing for you to train up, to transition things onto. And I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come now. And I want us to be open and willing 
to what the Lord might have to say to us. So, Father God, we say we are ready to listen. What are you saying to us this morning? We want to play our part in the nurturing of young disciples, whether young in age or new in faith. Would you be speaking to us, we pray, corporately as a church, about how you are transitioning us on to something new? But Lord, I pray that you'd be speaking to us now individually, helping us to identify who it is you're asking us to nurture. Who can we encourage in their gifting? Who can we nudge in the right direction? Who can we identify a gifting in and help train them up? Who can we pass the baton of leadership onto? Or who needs our help learning to hear from the voice of the Lord? Father, we thank you that your presence is not hidden from us. And we invite you now to come and take a prominent place. You are the Lord who calls us, and we pray right now you would reveal yourself to us for how you want us to practically take this word home with us this morning. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Use us for the task at head. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh,